Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who loves his Reese's Puffs, Brandon Siegel. How you doing? I'm doing quite well, and I, I know why you did this intro today. I actually don't like Reese's Puffs that much. It, it, it's like a... You only it's like say a that... Like, you only say that because that was my intro. What do you mean you don't like Reese's Puffs? No, I Puffs? swear to you, you have, Ben You knows. have two boxes in your background on your desk, but you don't like them? Yeah, okay, okay, let's, for the, the viewers at home, uh, you know, eventually if we get this podcast on video, you'll see the Reese's Puffs boxes. They're designer boxes. They're, they're like four influ- like, they're, one's for Travis Scott and one's for a designer called Cause. So it's just people that I like. I, I've now, I don't eat Reese's Puffs. I don't really like them because they, they kind of take, like, I don't like the Puff cereal. Ben knows my favorite cereals. I kind of think it's like a B-tier cereal, to be honest. Like, it's just not that good. Um... So, it's not my favorite, but of course, let's welcome in the third member of the podcast who will confirm that I'm not a, a Reese's Puffs lover, and that is, of course, Ben O'Brien. Ben, how are you? We've had this discussion about Reese's Puffs. They're just kind of like, they're not bad. They're just kind of mid. I mean, I haven't had them in a long time, um, but I mean, I'm not a t- the type of person, you do you, Brandon, but I'm not the type of person that's just going to buy a box of cereal and just leave it there for four years, but you, hey, you do you. I'm not going to judge. I typically, um, when first- I spend money on cereal, I eat it. But again, like if you want to waste food, that's totally fine. I'm sure there's there's starving kids around the world that would love to eat it. But that's well, fine. Well, it's, it's not you. wasted because it's still it's still in mint condition. I can. Eat I'm not it here today to judge. I'm not here to judge you. I'm just I'm just saying yeah, you yeah, live yeah. your lifestyle. I'll live mine. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I do understand that. If you want to waste um, cereal? All you. But it, see, I mean, we could do this another day. But the, the top tier cereal, is cinnamon toast crunch. I will take no arguments against it. That is the best cereal there is. Trevor is cinnamon toast crunch, without a doubt. Maybe um, right. No, Cinnies are the best. Ben, you know that. Ben, we have fond memories. They're good. Of Cin- they're good. I'll give you that. They're great, but they're they just not. Tier. They're not. They're not. They're not. They don't have the uh, the career longevity that I'm looking for. I mean, I think they have a solid prime, but they're not. They're <laughs> not a, a a 15 season type of player. They're just not. Bro, they're they're in retirement leagues, just dunking on people. I don't know what you're talking about. Like it's crazy. They're crazy. They're crazy. But look, this isn't a serial podcast. This is, of course, a sports podcast, and we got a lot to get to today. Um, and, uh, it, it's definitely been an interesting week. We've had the Sweet 16, the NBA season's wrapping up. Of course, we're at mid, mid-NFL offseason. Um, Trevor, is there any NFL offseason, uh, topics you wanted to just touch on here? Um, I am trying to think if there was anything crazy that happened this week, but I, obviously we're, you know, in the middle of free agency. Anything that you want to touch on? Not, uh, not really as far as free agency. I mean, we're still waiting to, you know, hear more about the Aaron Rodgers, uh, discussion. Yes. You know, obviously... The Lamar Jackson situation. Yeah, he's making workout always... equipment, Trevor. Lamar is making workout equipment. I don't oh, know if okay. you saw that. I know. Uh, him I and his not. business partner, Ken. There's been a lot of memes on Twitter about this. He's making workout equipment. Okay. Uh, he's currently not... He doesn't currently have a job. He's not signed to a team. But he is making workout equipment. Interesting. Um, so we'll see how that goes. I don't know. Uh... All right, well, let's keep it moving then. Nothing too much to talk about the, the NFL, no major storylines. Um, let's go a little bit to the NBA, Trevor, um, and, and discuss a little bit. We're at the end of the season here. Um, we probably have, what, two more weeks, maybe two and a half weeks left of the season. Um, anything you want to kind of touch on here? Yeah, so today I, I, I actually wanted to talk about the Dallas Mavericks because they, they've been struggling recently. You know, as, as listeners will know, they recently got Kyrie um, around the deadline. The Mavericks were already a team that, you know, they were kind of struggling. Obviously, they do have Luka Doncic. He's one of the best, in my opinion, five players in the NBA. But around him, you know, there's not exactly a, a great support system um, in terms of the, the role players they have. Obviously, they let Jalen Brunson go in the offseason, which I think is now looking like a pretty big mistake on their end. 
Um, you know, they have guys like Christian Wood and Dwight Powell, but they don't really have um, a great team kind of around Luka. So they, they go, they get Kyrie, and, you know, this is kind of their play of like, you know, we can compete. If we have, uh, you know, two superstars, we think we can compete. Um, but the Mavericks have not been doing all that well. They have actually just fallen to, um, well, they are tied for 10th place in the West with Oklahoma City Thunder. They're sitting at 36 and 38. They have now lost three in a row. They're three and seven in their last 10 games. Um, and in their most recent game, they lost to one of the worst teams in the NBA, the Charlotte Hornets, um, 117 uh, to 109 on Friday night. And now the Mavericks are in a, in a spot where they're fighting to get into the playoffs. I mean, they're not currently in the in the play-in picture. It's them and Oklahoma City tied, but I think Oklahoma City technically has that tiebreaker right now. Um, so Dallas is sitting in 11th, and they have to you know climb their way here with only eight games left of their season just to get into the playoffs as a team that, you know, uh, basically thought, you know, we can compete. We have Luke and Kyrie, and now it's looking tough. Um, you know, Kyrie in the let, let's see, he's played 13 games, I believe. Yeah, 13 games since he's been with the Mavs. The Mavs are 5-8 and eight in that time. And Kyrie's putting up good offensive numbers, actually. He is. In the month of March, he's averaged about 31 points per game, 5.5 rebounds, 5.5 assists, shooting 51% and 40% from three. So, like, you can look at that and say, okay, that's good numbers in the month of March. You even go back to February. Uh, the numbers are not quite as good, but still, you know, relatively decent, averaging about 24 points, six assists, six and a half assists, five rebounds. But the problem with the Dallas Mavericks is defense, because if you look at just these game logs of every game that Dallas is playing here, every single team they play has scored at least 110 points, dating back to... It looks like February 8th, when they beat the Los Angeles Clippers by a score of 110 to 104. Every game since then, as far as I am reading here, they have given up at least 110 points. Literally, every single game since then. That's like 14 games in a row where they've given up at least 110 points. Looking at the Dallas Mavericks um, and what they do, they give up, um, it looks like about 114 points per game um, on average, which is not really that great obviously it's not where you want to be the point differential is 0.3 so basically they're about even um and the Dallas Mavericks really have to figure out you know how they're gonna uh how they're gonna compete here and I I just don't really see it with the Mavericks unfortunately in this Western Conference where teams are jockeying for position and like we discussed a couple weeks ago teams are within about three or four games of each other the Dallas Mavericks are one of these teams that you you kind of watch them more and more and you're like I just don't think they have it because the defense that they had, one of the one of the big parts of why their defense was so good last year was a guy that now is no longer on their team, Dorian Finney-Smith. He's now with the Brooklyn Nets. They have gotten worse defensively and offensively. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe they've gotten marginally better with Kyrie, but it's really not enough to make up what they lost with Dorian Finney-Smith. Obviously, they lost Jalen Brunson in the offseason, and this is just not a good situation uh, to have around your star, Luka Doncic, who, I mean, I always, with Luka, I've always thought, like, when LeBron was with the Cavs in his first, you know, stint with the Cavs, the first seven years of his career, every single offseason, it was pretty much like, LeBron's awesome, he's either winning MVP or he's competing, he carries them to the finals in 07, but it's like, 
who are, are how are we going to make moves? How are we going to get a secondary star, uh, complementary pieces around LeBron? You know, and they went out. The one move they tried to get, I think they got Antoine Jameson the one year. Uh, they went out and got, I think, Shaq when he was basically at the end of his career. They made a few other moves as well to try to help out LeBron, but it never worked. It was never really good moves that the organization made. And now the Dallas Mavericks are kind of doing the same thing with Luka. They're not really making good moves. Uh, Mark Cuban and that organization, they haven't been able to put um, good solid pieces around Luka. And they actually kind of had a guy that I think was a good piece uh, next to Luka in Jalen Brunson. And they let him go. So it's really interesting here to see with Dallas and Luka as if Dallas continues to be a team that, you know, they don't seem to have the pieces for Luka. Obviously this year they're very mediocre, under 500. Will he look to leave Dallas at some point? That's kind of what I'm starting to think about. Um, and, and Brennan, with that being said, I'll go to you. What do you think about this situation? I mean, you obviously, you know, being a big LeBron fan, you saw kind of what happened with the LeBron in the Cavs the first time around when he left. What do you think about this situation with Luka and the Mavericks? Yeah, so let's let's discuss Luka's position in the Mavericks position first before we get to the Kyrie stuff because I, I got comments in both of those. Um, I think the first thing is, you know, we look like five, six years ago, Trevor, and we were talking about the NBA, and I was like, look, it's so dominated. You just get three stars on a team, and you just work it out, and it happens. We had, you know, not long ago, the Clippers. Um, we, we had, obviously, the big three on the Warriors. Uh, LeBron was making his, his, his big teams. And we had teams that were just these powerhouses because they just had a ton of stars on them. And now we've seen a little bit of a shift, Trevor, back to, to logical basketball, back to what is a good fit. Um, and we see some owners and some teams, like the Mavericks, for example, who are like, let's just get as many stars as we can. And it's kind of like, you know, they're five, two years, five years too late on that run. And you see teams like the the Celtics, who have just built a good team. They've drafted well, they've signed good free agents, um, and, and they've been able to make good moves to get themselves in that position. And I think it is incredibly frustrating, especially watching LeBron go through this, um, and now watching Luka go through this, where they just cannot get talent around. I mean, I don't know why someone thought it was a good idea to bring Kyrie Irving on this team. You don't need two ball-dominant people um, you know, on a team like that. And that you know, that's something LeBron had to learn when, when, when Kyrie came along. Um, you know, in his stint where LeBron was able to play off the ball. And that's not really what Luka is. That's not Luka's strength. Luka's strength is with the ball, being able to play make and, and being able to, you know, shot create is really his strength. So I just think that this move made no sense. It was definitely a regression for them. I mean, we see that Luka's saying he's not having fun. Uh, he used to have fun playing basketball. Now he's not. Um, I mean, Kyrie, Kyrie is not good for any team. You know, I wouldn't, Unless you're guaranteeing me a championship, there's no way I'm signing Kyrie Irving for any amount of money. Um, and uh, it seems like he's a very, very big problem, Trevor. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's kind of a question mark. Will they get in the playoffs or not? It, it's really up in the air. A couple weeks ago, I just said, yes, I think they'll get like the seventh seed. Now, obviously, because of their, you know, going three and seven in the last 10 games, now it's a little bit more... Uh, up in the air on if they will even make the playoffs, which is kind of wild just when you think about like a team that has Luka, in, per in particular a team that has Luka, Kyrie to a lesser extent, that's not even going to make the playoffs. So, uh, you know, that's kind of interesting. We'll see how the Mavs do to finish off the season again. Like two weeks left, they have eight games. So it it's kind of now or never for Dallas. They're going to need to finish this stretch off strong just to get into the playoffs where they will certainly have a tough matchup, most likely either Denver or Memphis, or even Sacramento, if they can get that uh, two seed from Memphis. 
But uh, moving on, the only other thing I want to talk about in the NBA, I kind of wanted to have a little bit of discussion about the contenders in the Eastern Conference and how that is shaping up because I think it has shifted a little bit. I do think, um, you know, in the past, I would have said it's really two. It's really Milwaukee and Boston, and it's kind of neck and neck on who is going to ultimately take it. I think back in December at that point, it looked like Boston was the better team. Uh, Chris Middleton was still out with that injury, so it seemed like for the time being, Boston would be was the best team, and you know Milwaukee had that big question mark of when is Chris Middleton going to return? When he does return, will he be playing at the same level he played at when they won their championship a couple of years ago? We we didn't really know that, and actually, you know, they're still working that out. But now I think a third team has entered this discussion. I think it is the Philadelphia 76ers. I think they are now squarely in the same tier as those other two teams, uh, Boston, Milwaukee. And some people might want to say, hey, what about Cleveland? Does, is Cleveland this tier? You know, should they be in there? I don't think they're quite there. I don't think they're quite there. Obviously, I'm a big Donovan Mitchell fan. I've really liked watching this Cavs team play. I don't think they're quite in that top tier. But of those three teams, I think Milwaukee now does seem to be at the front. Um, obviously, Giannis is playing incredible basketball. Um, obviously, you know, the MVP discussions have been very heated between him, Embiid, and Jokic. It's very close. Uh, Denver just got a big win last night over Milwaukee in which Jokic and Giannis both played very good games, but Jokic's team got the win ultimately in that one. I think further, um, kind of, you know, heating up the MVP discussion, but with these teams in particular in this race, I think Milwaukee sits at the top because of number one, Giannis, he's the best player in basketball, but also you have other players like Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez who have kind of stepped up. I mean, Holiday, he's been, you know, he's been really good for a while now. He's been a really good defender, one of the best guard defenders in the league. Um, I think on, on offense, I think he's arguably gotten a little bit better as a creator this season. So I think some people might argue this is Drew Holiday's best season of his career. It's kind of debatable. I think he had a really good year in the Pelicans back in, I, I want to say, like 2018 or so. So it's it's close, but he's been really good. But the guy, more than anyone who's really taken a step up, is Brook Lopez. Brook Lopez has been incredible. The way he's transformed, just looking at Brook Lopez's career, when he came into the league, he was, and we've talked about this before, but he was a low post big. You know, he would play in the post, you know, mm. he, he'd get you layups, you know, and, and that was kind of his game. And now I think he's become an improved defender. I mean, he's in the race for Defensive Player of the Year. It's it's Brooke Lopez, it's Jaron Jackson, maybe you can throw like a Bam Adebayo, maybe even like an Evan Mobley in that discussion um, for Defensive Player of the Year. But Brooke Lopez is squarely in that discussion because he's a really good one-on-one defender and he now can shoot the ball, he can shoot the three. So Brooke Lopez has been a really big part of this Brooklyn team. And Middleton is slowly um, but surely getting back into the fold. He's not quite what he was two years ago, but he's, he's been pretty good. You know, he's been pretty solid. Um, but I think Milwaukee is that team at the top. At number two, despite Boston's struggles, I still have them slightly above Philly. Just because with Philly, I think there's always going to be that piece of me that's like, ah, can I really trust James Harden in the playoffs? Or like, man, is Joel Embiid going to get hurt in game three of the Eastern Conference semis? Like, it se- like <laughs> basically seems to happen every season. Is something like that going to happen? I don't know, but there's still that part of me that leans the Celtics. And there's been a lot of news out there about the Celtics. Uh, there was a really good piece. If you are, if any of the listeners are interested, 
by uh, Logan Murdoch at The Ringer, a piece on Jalen Brown and his future in Boston, because there's there's some questions about Jalen Brown and his future in Boston. Obviously, they've tried to trade him before. There, he's been in trade rumors. Um, I think there's a little bit of a part where of Jalen Brown where he doesn't feel like the organization really uh, gives him enough respect, the respect he deserves. Obviously, he was the best player for Boston in the finals last year, and yet he's still in trade rumors. They're still looking to potentially try to get Kevin Durant and trade Jalen Brown out of Boston. I'm sure he's not really happy with that, it seems. And I wouldn't be happy with that either. I, I, you know, every time these trade rumors have happened, I haven't really been a fan of it because I think Jalen Brown is a really good player, and I think he's underrated just in general in the league. So I still lean Boston over Philly, but I understand those concerns with Boston, you know. Joe Mazzola, he's been getting a lot of criticism in the last month with some of his rotational decisions. Uh, I think a lot of Boston fans want Derek White to be played more. So that's really interesting to see. But again, with Philly, I'm going to have those playoff questions. Despite the fact that Embiid is playing the best basketball of his entire career, James Harden, in this new role where he's, I think, the assist leader in the NBA right now, playing really good basketball as well. You got Maxi, you got Tobias Harris, you know, the, some other role players that have been really solid for Philly. But I think they are third in this uh, contender discussion. Um, but I'll, I'll kind of end, you know, my thoughts there. Um, Ben, I, I want to get some of your thoughts. You know, I just said that I think it's Milwaukee at the top with Boston, Philly, um, kind of falling behind. What do you think about that? Do you agree with kind of that top three ranking? And would you even include a Cleveland or a, a New York Knicks in this discussion? No, I mean, I, it, it, it's, it's the Bucks. Um, they have the best player, uh, and they've been the best team consistently for a while now. Um, and then it would be the Celtics, Trevor, like you said, I agree. Uh, the thing with the Sixers for me, I think you made a great point. Like we've been doing this for years now. We've probably been doing this for what, five, six years where they're a good team. They're a good regular season team. But like you said, when it gets to the playoffs, something happens. Harden's performance dips or Embiid gets hurt or whatever it is. Um, their role players don't step up. So like, I, I just don't have any faith in the Sixers. Yeah, they're a good team and most teams in the NBA, they can beat. But if we're talking Eastern Conference semifinals or Eastern Conference finals against the Bucs or the Celtics, I just don't have a lot of faith that the that the Sixers could beat either one of those teams in a best-of-seven series. Um, in terms of other teams, I mean, the Cavs, nah. I mean, it, they're they're whatever. The New York Knicks obviously have Obadiah Toppin, so they should be better than they are, but the issue is their coaching's terrible, and they don't want to play Obadiah Toppin. <laughs> um, so it really is those three teams, and really I, I wouldn't even put – I mean, you can put the Sixers in there because they've been hot recently – um, but when it comes down to it, I still fully expect to see the Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics um, in the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, the, the, the 76ers, I mean, Philly's a city of losers. It's what they do. So the, the Sixers will lose in the, in the playoffs at some point. They will not win the finals. Um, so it, I, I think it's, it's going to be hard for me to see any situation in which it's not the Bucks or the Celtics representing the East in the Finals. Um, now with that being said, my basketball takes the last month have been God awful and everything I've said has been more than wrong. If you can be more than wrong. Um, so I, I would not be surprised if now that I said that you see the Sixers go on to win the championship, but I'm going to, I'm going to plant my flag right now and say, there's no way that the Sixers get out of the Eastern conference. I just think, um, they have talent, but for whatever reason, something always happens with them to where I, I just think the Bucks and the Celtics, one of those two teams will outplay them when, when it matters most. Yeah, absolutely. The Philadelphia second placers, as has kind of been absolutely. the case in sports. Yes, uh, Brandon, what, what are some of your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think uh, those top three teams are pretty close. I mean, you look at like their point differentials. That's always something I look at. 
um, and they're all kind of close. The Cavs, to me, I think the Cavs are a good team, and they're, they're one of those, like, B-plus teams, in my opinion, you know, maybe an A-minus. They're a really good team, but they need to, they need probably a little bit more to get over the hump. They're not a good away team at all. They're actually under 500 away. Um, so they're definitely going to have trouble. I mean, when they run into a Milwaukee, a Boston, a Philly, um, they're going to have trouble. They're going to struggle away. Um, and, you know, they're going to have to steal a game away to, to uh, you know, win those series. So, I, you know, we'll see how, how the Cavs, in terms of the Cavs, go. But the other top three teams, um, especially with Philly kind of rising up, doing much better. Um, it's going to be a very interesting side for, for the East to see which one of those three teams comes out on top. Because I do think all of them have, like, a, a decent shot. Um, you know, I, I know you like the Bucks a lot. I still got a lot of faith in the Celtics. Um, I think the Celtics will pull it out again. They just seem like a little bit too talented across the board. Um, and I think they'll come out of the East, but we'll have to see. It's going to be really interesting to see for sure. Um, yeah. Trevor, any other NBA stuff you want to talk about before we move on over to college basketball? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, just one thing with the Cavs. It's going to be interesting because one of their weak points has been as good of, like you look at their point differential, it's 5.5. It's really good. The Cavs have struggled in the last couple minutes of the game. In clutch time, the Cavs have struggled getting buckets in, in the offense. Um, you know, it's it's been a weak point for them. So when it comes to playoff time, there's going to be a lot more closer games. They're not just going to be, you know, playing the Detroit Pistons and beating them by 30 points like they do. Um, they're going to be playing all good teams. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Cavs do. But I'm, I'm very excited to see them, obviously, in the playoffs. 100%. All right, let's move to our final topic of the day. A little bit of a shorter pod today, but there's nothing wrong with that at all. Of course, next up here, we have um, the uh, March Madness Tournament. Um, and the Sweet 16 we really got into to, you know this week, um, I believe starting on Thursday. Am I correct, Trevor? Thursday yes. we had basketball. Um, so a lot of good games on Thursday. Um, you know, nothing too, too crazy happened, but anything that you wanted to talk about, obviously the Kansas State-Michigan State game was absolutely insane. I'm sure you're going to want to discuss that. So Trevor, I'm throwing it over to you. Where are we starting? Yeah, so I think that's kind of the headline is the Kansas State-Michigan State game. Some people might say it's the Gonzaga-UCLA game. You know, you can argue for either. For me, the Kansas State-Michigan State game was the best game of the entire tournament so far. Um, the only overtime game we've had. Kansas State comes out with the victory 98-93. And of course, one of my favorite players, well, actually not one of, he is my favorite player in college basketball this season, Marquise Noel. Um, he gets the assist record, 19 assists uh, and 20 points, I believe. Yeah, 20 points, 19 assists in this game. And this game was just so fun because, you know, of course, Mr. March, Tom Izzo, as we know him, um, he came out and he was going to bring it, you know, he was going to bring in, he was going to make adjustments. Um, obviously, they have some really good guards that played very well Uh A.J. Hogard in particular had a really good game, 25 points, especially in the paint. You know, he's a really interesting guard that I don't think we see a lot of nowadays where he's he's usually bigger than the other team's guards, and he can kind of bully them in the paint a little bit. And that's what A.J. Hogard did with Michigan State for a lot of this game. But Kansas State, they, they overcame it. They played very well. Obviously, Marquise Noel with all the assists. And there were so many he's great insane, moments. Trevor. Yeah, so many great moments. I mean, uh, we could talk about, obviously, the moment the Isaiah Thomas one where he says, it seems like he mouthed, watch this to Isaiah Thomas. He comes up the floor. There's like a little clip where it looks like he's arguing with Jerome Tang on like what's Jerome Tang's like trying to call play. 
and seems like Marquise Noel is like, no, like we're going to do this. And all of a sudden out of the corner of his eye, he sees Keontae Johnson cutting to the basket and just throws up an alley-oop. I mean, he's like from the logo, throws the alley-oop and Keontae dunks it. That obviously gave Kansas State a two-point lead, 94 to 92 in overtime. And that was kind of just like moments like that are so, so rare. And I, I can't really, you know, overstate how incredible that moment was from just a coolness perspective, just like how amazing it was from like Isaiah Thomas is over in the Michigan State section. I think, I believe he was sitting with Mateen Cleaves, uh, Michigan State legend, I think. Um, and he kind of said that to Isaiah Thomas, then comes up and, you know, makes that alley-oop happen. That was just like incredible. And it kind of encapsulated how fun this Kansas State team has been all season and especially in the tournament because a lot of people um, that maybe didn't follow college basketball all year, they probably didn't, well, they didn't know about Kansas State. Um, They didn't know how good they were. Marquise Noel, they probably didn't know about him really or his game. But this team has just been so fun all year. And for them to get this victory, it, it was just incredible. And I enjoyed every minute of that game. Yeah, I mean, Kansas State has, they've been the team of the tournament to watch. Uh, they're like must-watch TV. Um, it'd be like the reality TV show, and like every time the the controversial characters on, you you just your eyes are glued to the TV. Um, and that's how Kansas State was. They've been so enjoyable to watch. This game against Michigan State was great. It was also great because they beat them, and Michigan State sucks. Uh, so that was really really great. Um, Ben, any any thoughts on on Kansas State? Um, of course, uh, Noel, how great he's been. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's tough to see, <clears throat> excuse me, it's tough to see my Spartans go down like that. Um, but it was a good game. I mean, it was a great game. I would have loved to see Michigan State win um, because Kansas State and still is, in my opinion, an eight seed that just accidentally put a three next to their name. Um, but they have some good players. I mean, they have two good players, that's for sure. Um, and it was a good game. It 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 was a terrible outcome, and I wish it, it didn't happen that way, but it was fun to watch, I guess, or whatever. Good for them. <laughs> Uh, Bunch of frauds. I, I, anytime Michigan State loses, it's it's a win on our book. Um, Trevor, what, what what's the next game you want to talk about? Yeah, so I mean, we should go to the Gonzaga UCLA next, of course, because when these teams play in a tournament, it, it's just always good. I mean, we obviously had the game two years ago, the Jalen Suggs shot in the Final Four, which, in my opinion, is one of the best like college basketball games I've ever watched in my life. That UCLA Gonzaga Final Four game, like that's. If, if I'm, like, going through and thinking about, like, all of the best college basketball games I've ever seen, like, that's probably top five. That game was incredible, and that obviously involved these two teams. Also, the uh, Adam Morrison game back in 2006, which actually was exactly 17 years uh, later, this game, Thursday, March 23rd, exactly 17 years after UCLA came back um, from a big deficit against Gonzaga, um, and beat them in 2006. Uh, that was also March 23rd. Um, and now Gonzaga kind of, which they already kind of got redemption in the Final Four, but this was like a almost a redemption in a way for Gonzaga. Again, I believe Adam Morrison was in the crowd, um, you know, obviously rooting on Gonzaga in this one. And Gonzaga, you know, ended up winning the game. Um, you know, and, and it was interesting because UCLA had a big lead. They had the 46-33 lead at halftime. Gonzaga makes a big rally in the second half. 
and they take a decent lead, and then UCLA almost comes back to win it. I think there were multiple instances where you, uh, Gonzaga missed critical free throws. Drew Timmy, I think, missed two in a row. I think it might have been David Singleton, one of the other uh, players, or not David Singleton, uh, one of the other Gonzaga players missed a couple free throws. Um, but nevertheless, Gonzaga ends up getting the win. Obviously, the huge Julian Strother shot, the three, which people have been talking about how similar it is to uh, the Chris Jenkins shot back in 2016, the national title, when Villanova uh, won it. You know, kind of the handoff, top of the key three, um, you know, that was kind of similar to that Chris Jenkins shot. So just a really good game. And another classic between these two teams who now are kind of almost have like a little bit of a budding rivalry, which I think is very interesting. Uh, the only other piece I think that's very relevant to mention here is Drew Timmy, 36 points and 13 rebounds. Um, incredible game. UCLA missing two of their starters, uh, Jalen Clark, obviously one of their best players, and Adam Bona, uh, their center, who presumably would have been guarding Drew Timmy. So I think you know, I think a lot of people would say, well, if UCLA was healthy, they would have won, and they probably would have. But nevertheless, uh, really good win for Gonzaga here. Uh, ben, what did you think about this game uh, for Gonzaga? I mean, Drew Timmy's a baller, but I guess when you're like 40 years old playing against uh, college kids, you should be dropping 36 points. Um, but he's great. I think we should, I think we should, just to make this rivalry even a better rivalry, let's just officially, let's drop Indiana from blue blood status. Let's just make Gonzaga an official blue blood. Cause that'll make this game even more of a, of a marquee matchup the next time they play next year in the tournament, whenever that is. Um, because you're right, Trevor, every time these two teams play, like it is must see college basketball. Um, and, and the games that they always play are, are historic college basketball games. So, um, awesome matchup. Like you said, Trevor, I, I UCLA is one of those teams, like, if they were fully healthy, I absolutely would have picked them to win the whole thing. Uh, and I think that with, with with a fully healthy lineup for UCLA, I think they probably would have won this game. So um, it, it was tough for UCLA because they were they were shorthanded. But Gonzaga was, I think, at least for a decent amount of the game, they were the better team. And ultimately, uh, uh, obviously, at the end of the game, they were the better team running that, uh, running that Villanova-Chris Jenkins play at, at the end to essentially win it for him. So um, fun to see. I mean, I, I, like you said, anytime these two teams play, it's a fun game. And uh, I will continue to watch them and at any point in the next in the near future if these two teams are playing a meaningful college basketball game I will absolutely turn in uh tune in and watch it. Yeah, absolutely. Um the other two games we had were were not as close. Um UConn, a big win over Arkansas 88-65. Again, just another dominant performance there. We're we're going to talk about another one here in a here in a few minutes. Um but UConn's been great all tournament. Um all double digit victories obviously destroyed Iona. Um, then they beat St. Mary's pretty convincingly, and then Arkansas, just a bad game from Arkansas. You know, Nick Smith, who dealt with injuries in this game, uh, dealt with injuries throughout the year, really just, you know, never really completely put it together this season in his, you know, freshman season, and most likely only season at Arkansas. Anthony Black had a pretty good game for Arkansas, but other than that, just really dominant performance from UConn. And then, of course, Florida Atlantic, 62-55 over Tennessee. Big win there. Florida Atlantic continues uh, to be playing really well all tournament in Tennessee. You know, they just rely so much on their defense. And at some point, you know, that road's got to kind of end. You got to be able to put up points. Tennessee has struggled to do so uh, for a lot of this season. Uh, moving on to the Friday games. Brandon, uh, from the Friday games, obviously some interesting games here. What, what stood out most to you about uh, Friday games? I mean, obviously the one seed's going down. Um, I will say, look, I don't want to toot my own horn. I had Miami. 
uh, winning that Houston game in my main bracket. Um, and I know we, we had the Cougars in our small ballers bracket, which has not done very well. Um, but our, our my main bracket, I'm, I'm coming close to winning here. But obviously the one seed's losing where, where the, the big draw is here. I mean, Alabama lost by 13. Uh, we had a 14-point victory for Miami. Those are, those are big, big wins. Really, none of these games... Uh, on Friday, we're even that close. I mean, Texas won by 12 and Creighton won by 11. Uh, so all double point. Uh, Vic- oh wait, no, I'm, I'm blind. The the Alabama San Diego State game was not double points. I I'm just stupid. It was a seven point victory. So, but still, that's not like super duper close. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so, I mean th- that's got to be the biggest thing to point out. It's just the the big wins on the Friday. Um, over the one seeds. Um, and it's been such an interesting year, Trevor. We now have all four one seeds out. Um, I, I would, I, I'm sure someone has this said, I want to know when the last time, um, you know, they got out this early. It might've been, this is the earliest. I don't know, Trevor, do you know, do you know if this is the earliest they've gotten out? Well, so I did I'll see a them. stat that said, um, since 1979, this is the first time where no number one seed has made the elite eight. Um, I believe that was the stat that I saw on Twitter on Friday night. So since 1979, you know, there's always been at least one number one seed that made the elite eight. And not this season. So it's definitely a pretty wild stat. Obviously, the Alabama-San Diego State game, you know, I, I definitely thought San Diego State had a chance. They're really good defensively. Um, you know, they can cause some issues, and they did in this game. And for Brandon Miller, I mean, going 3 of 19, yeah, he had some good passes, and, like, you know, you know, he rebounded the ball. But shooting 3 for 19 in a big game like this, it's just kind of unexcusable, ultimately, for a player that's supposed to be a top five draft pick. And like, this isn't the first time we've seen, you know, a great uh, NBA prospect really struggle in a big NCAA tournament game. We've seen it a bunch of times. We saw it last year, um, you know, with the Purdue and St. Peter's game. Um, Obviously there, that was not a good performance. Um, And St. Peter's got the win there. Um, And now we're seeing it with Brandon Miller. So not a good showing there. Obviously the Houston Cougars go down, Ben. I know we're both pretty sad about that. Um, that game, unfortunately was never really that close. Well, I I guess early in the second half, it was close, but then Miami turned it on. I think Nigel Pack hit a couple threes in a row and Miami, uh, which they kind of built this team with mostly transfers. Um, once again, making the lead eight, they made the lead eight last year. They're making it again. Uh, they played today. We'll see how they do against Texas. Um, but yeah, I don't know, Ben, this is kind of the, uh, funeral for our Houston Cougars, the team we picked in the preseason to go all the way, win the championship, and unfortunately Nance's plan uh, did not really uh, go the way we wanted it to go. Yeah, and it's... Uh, <laughs> ben has no thoughts. He's the one to talk about it. <laughs> ben has no thoughts on that. It's fine. It, it definitely is sad that, that Houston's out. It was Nance's plan. It's his last run. It would have been really cool to see all that happen. Um, but we are unfortunately not going to get it. Yeah. Um, I say we move on to yesterday's games, Trevor, the Saturday games, because these games, well, one of them was really great. <laughs> the other one, not so much. Uh, the later game, not so much. But the Fort Atlanta-Kansas State game was incredibly fun to watch. Why don't you break down a little bit about this game? Yeah, so Florida Atlanta-Kansas State, I mean, there were two huge things that were going on. Obviously, the rebounding battle, which Florida Atlantic completely dominated. Uh, they had 44 rebounds. Kansas State only had 22, so double the amount of rebounds. But then you also had uh, the turnovers, which Florida Atlantic had a lot of turnovers. They had 22 in this game. Kansas State only uh, 12. 
So it was kind of like Kansas State, they're doing a, a really good job of forcing turnovers, but they can't rebound the ball. And, you know, Florida Atlantic, they have uh, a center. Let's see, can I even pronounce his name? Uh, we'll just say Golden. Good we'll luck. say his last name. Uh, Golden, the center, the seven-footer, had uh, 13 rebounds. He was awesome. He was a, a big presence in the paint for this Florida Atlantic team. Probably their most important player in the game yesterday, I would say, for Florida Atlantic. He did a really good job. Um, obviously, getting 13 rebounds is huge. You know, and Marquise Noel, he did everything he could for Kansas State. He had 30 points, 12 assists. Ultimately, I think Keontae Johnson's uh, foul trouble really hurt. Um, he got fouled out in the second half. He only played 18 minutes in this game because of his foul trouble. And I mean, you know, Noel is the best player on the team. Keontae Johnson is the second best player on the team. You can't go 22 minutes of the game without your second best player. Like, you're, you're probably not going to win. And that's kind of what happened with Kansas State. You know, they didn't really have another player that really stepped up enough um, that, that Kansas State kind of needed. I mean, Tomlin, uh, you know, the, the junior big man, he had 14 points. But just in general, I mean, Kansas State didn't really, uh, Noel didn't really get enough help in Keontae Johnson's foul trouble hurt. Again, that the big man, Golden, just he was a big reason why. So big game for him. And Florida Atlantic, they continue their run onto the Final Four, a nine seed. And Brandon, I don't know if you agree with, I think you do agree with this actually, but this doesn't feel like a big surprise to me. I mean, obviously I, I, I picked them, I picked Memphis to beat them. So like, I, I didn't expect them. Yeah, I didn't expect them to be in the Final Four, but it doesn't feel... Like, I think when Loyola Chicago made the Final Four a couple years ago, it was like, what? Loyola Chicago, an 11 seed? Like, that's insane. How could they ever make it? Because I don't know if anyone ever thought of them as, like, being a good team coming in the tournament. But Florida Atlantic, I think we all kind of knew, even if we didn't watch them a ton, that they were a really good team coming in the tournament because their record said it. They only had three. I think they were, like, 30-3 and three or 31-3 and three coming in the tournament. So they've been a good team the whole time, and they've showed that in every game they've played. Yeah, I I don't understand how they were a nine seed. I mean, they they were like thirty one and three in the and I understand they're not playing in the ACC, but like, I they were at a point in time ranked very very high. They were undefeated at a point in time, and I mean they were like sixteen and zero or something. Um, and I mean you it happens you lose some games, but I mean they barely lost the whole year. I'm surprised they weren't like a five or a six seed. Like I'm not saying they should have been a top three seed like Kansas State was. I mean Kansas State was excellent. Uh, in this game and the whole tournament. But to me, it just felt like Florida Atlantic was way better than a nine seed. And it, I agree with you. Like, I don't know. Maybe people are like, oh, you're just saying it because they're here. It's hindsight 2020. But I genuinely don't feel like this was that crazy of a result out of this region. Like, I, Florida Atlantic was such a good basketball team. And here we are. Um, you know, they're they're winning and going to the Final Four. Yeah, absolutely. So really good story there for Florida Atlantic. Um, obviously, we'll see if they continue it. I mean, we're going to have... Regardless of who this Final Four, the other two teams end up being, it's going to be kind of a wild one. Uh, mostly teams we didn't expect, but I think you know a lot of people might argue UConn was a team that they did expect because UConn, obviously a dominant win over Gonzaga, they were the pretty much the best team in college basketball for the first two two and a half months of the season before they you know had a little bit of a bad spell in January. Um, but they've kind of gotten it back together. Obviously, a team that's full of talent, uh, UConn is. And they, I mean, this ended up being a very dominant result. The game was close throughout the first half. Um, we saw UConn go on a little bit of a run. They hit the three, uh, you know, right at the end of the first half. They ended up, you know, extending their lead to seven. 
But this was close during the first half. And then we saw in the second half, Drew Timmy, he picked up his third foul. Um, we saw UConn, they started shooting the ball a little bit better. And then Drew Timmy picked up his fourth foul. And it's like, oh, well, we got to sit him. And, you know, I couldn't help but think, and obviously it wouldn't have changed the result regardless of whether they called the fouls. But it, I don't know, it seemed like with Drew Timmy, it, it, I don't want to say that they weren't fouls. But it seemed a little unfair because in addition to the foul calls that they called on Timmy, they called him for traveling a couple times, which, I don't know, it just seemed like uh, kind of like uh, like a ticky-tack foul. Like, I think in the NBA, one of those, like a couple of those fouls, if it was in the NBA, they wouldn't be called because I think one of them was like a gather step um, that he had. Um, so, I don't know, it just it seemed slightly unfair to be honest, toward Gonzaga, but nevertheless, it, it's not like they would have won. UConn was definitely the better team. I think UConn's been the best team in the tournament. Um, I think relatively clearly. I mean, all of their victories have been by double digits. And another one here, a 20-point win domination of Gonzaga, which is, you know, kind of surprising. I, I did think they were going to win, but not like this. So kind of shocking there. But uh, Brandon, uh, um, I guess we start with you. Any Any thoughts kind of on this game? Yeah, I really thought Gonzaga was going to win this game. I mean, UConn just pulled it out. I unfortunately didn't catch enough of this game. I was a tad bit busy. Um, but every time I did peek at the score, I was like, why Gonzaga down 25? This is ridiculous. Um, and it just they just didn't quite pull it off. True, Timmy's amazing. Uh, but it seems like UConn is, is just a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, ben, any thoughts on either of these games today uh, before we kind of preview today's games? I'm waiting for UConn to, like, drop off and not play an amazing game. And, I mean, like, it's just not going to happen. I mean, they're, I mean, they're, like, it, it's, they're just so good. It's ridiculous. And, like, like you said, Drew Timmy being in foul trouble the whole game was super annoying. Um, but every time I've watched UConn, like, they're just so impressive. And every time they shoot a three, like, I'm just expecting it to go in. Um, they're just a really good team. They pass the ball well. They have good fundamentals. They hit open shots. Like, for a college basketball team, they just do a lot of things really, really well. Um, and credit to Dan Hurley, who I don't like, I think he's annoying and he's obnoxious, but, um, they're just, they're a really good team. And I, I had no faith in them coming into this tournament. I'm going to be honest. I forgot that they were like really good all year. I just assumed that they were like a typical UConn team that went like 500 in the big East, um, which just shows that I didn't watch any college basketball. Um, but yeah, they're really good and I'm waiting for them to drop off. And now that I'm kind of like rooting for them to win, they're going to play like garbage in the final four. Cause that's the way that this tournament has worked for me. Um, but I kind of hope they win the whole thing. Cause it's fun to see like a, like a fake blue blood, like a UConn. Uh, win the whole thing. It's good for college basketball. I yeah. agree. I agree. We All right. See. Well, Trevor, let's uh, let's preview these games that are happening today. Um, starting with the two twenty p.m. game. It's such weird times for these games. Uh, two twenty game. We have Creighton versus San Diego State. Trevor, who do you like in this game? Yeah. So Creighton, San Diego State, the six seed versus the five seed. Obviously, a surprising matchup. Both of these teams were in the Maui Invitational uh, back in November. They didn't end up playing each other, but they, you know, they had uh, mutual mutual teams that they played, I guess. And these were two teams I both liked early in the season. Um, San Diego State I've liked pretty much all year, and Creighton I've liked a lot um, in the past couple of months. I thought they could kind of put it together, and they sort of have. So this is going to be an interesting game. Um, I lean Creighton because I'm I'm still worried about San Diego State's ability to just keep up in terms of scoring the ball. I, I know they're, they're a very experienced team and they're very sound and the way they play defensively, they're very smart. Uh, you know, obviously they have good athletes, 
you know, and they have cap- the capability to definitely beat Creighton, and it's going to be an exciting game. But I think Creighton uh, is a better shooting team, um, and I trust them more. I mean, just at some point, and I kind of thought it was going to happen in the Alabama game where San Diego State was just going to really struggle to score. And it happened at the beginning of that second half in that game, and then they went on this run, um, you know, later in the second half to get the lead on Alabama, which was kind of surprising to me, but I still have this thing where I don't know if they can do that again against Creighton. I think Creighton is overall a little bit better. Um, so I, I do lean Creighton. I mean, they were a pre this is a Creighton team coming from preseason top 10. Obviously, they have a couple injuries. They don't play so well in December and January. You know, they start to bring it together. And now we're kind of seeing more of the team that I think we expected to see at the beginning of the year. So I, I do lean Creighton in this game. Uh, Brandon, what do you think? I'm going to San Diego State. Uh, I, I said it earlier. I had, uh, you know, on the betting line here, we got Creighton minus two and a half. Uh, I like the San Diego State plus two and a half. I, I do. Um, and I, I actually think they're going to take this game. I, I've been impressed with San Diego State the entire year. Trevor, I wish we got him in our college basketball draft. I wish I listened to you and got him a little bit earlier. Um, but we we did not because of me. Um, and I think San Diego State's going to take this game. Ben, what, what's your official prediction? Break the tie. I don't really know. Um... I think I'm going to I don't know. Um I'll say San Diego State. I think there San Diego go. State will Look win. I don't I don't have I don't have any reason to say that I couldn't name one player on either team. Um but the Mountain West has been a garbage conference all uh, you know the last however many years and I've said that but it seems like this year Trevor they at least have one team that's that's making them some money so yeah. I'll continue to ride the Mountain West. I'll I'll say San Diego State. It there sounds like go. your team Brandon over there. Let's get to For the right now, final yeah. game. Final game. Number five, Miami versus number two, Texas. I need Texas to lose for our bracket pool because uh, if Texas loses either this game or the next game, I win the bracket pool. And if they win both games, um, I'm probably in some trouble. <laughs> I might not win the bracket pool. <laughs> so I need them to lose either this game or next game. Um, however, I'm going to be honest. I don't think that game's going to be today. I think they'll take the Miami game. They're going to win this game. It'll be a close one. Miami's a great basketball team. Uh, but Texas is going to pull this one out, in my opinion. Um, Trevor, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end it on you, so I'm going to go to Ben first. Ben, what do you think? Miami, Texas. Um, I love Jim Laranega, former BGSU Falcons. Um, oh, yeah. Falcon, but horns up. I mean, I, I, I probably would have rooted for Miami. I, I take that back. I've been a Miami hater all year. They had no business to rush the court <laughs> against whoever. Uh, they did. So I'm not going to – I don't forget that. I remember those things. Um, but now that Brandon wants them wants Texas to lose, that makes me want them – or want them to win so much more. So I have to root for Texas. Mm-hmm. Horns up all the way. Well, granted, I do get more points if they win one game. So, like, it wouldn't be bad if they lost the next game. So I, I'd be down with them winning this game. That's better. That's fine. If they win this I'm game cool. and lose I'm, Again, game. like I'm, I'm also anti-Miami because a, a team that rushes the court when you're a favorite and you're supposed to win a game is just embarrassing. You don't deserve to make the Final Four. All right, right. All right, Trevor, what do you think? Queen sweep? Um. Well, you guys you guys disagreed, didn't you? Or did you say Texas? No, we both picked Texas. Oh, yeah. So I'm with you guys. I do think Texas will win. Um, I, I'm excited for this game a lot because Miami's been on quite a run. I mean, a pretty dominant win over Indiana. They beat Drake in that first game. And now, uh, for, for the most part, a wire-to-wire win over in Houston. So they've been super impressive. Um, obviously, Nigel Pack has been awesome. I believe he had seven threes in that win over Houston. So I think one could logically say, well, he, he was 7 of 10 from 3. This game, he's going to stink it up. He's not going to play well. I, I don't know. I, I don't want to uh, – I'm not wishing that on him. 
but uh, it's definitely possible. I, I mean, I, I just think Texas has been the more consistent and better team all season. Um, I, I like the matchup they have um, in the front court. Dylan DeSue has been a huge uh, surprise, I think, this season. He's been awesome for Texas. And, you know, I still do like Tyrese Hunter, um, you know, and obviously Serge Jabari Rice, another kind of standout this season as well for Texas. So I do think Texas will take it. Um, I just think they're, I think they're the more solid team at this point. All right. Well, clean sweep there. A little more split on the other game. But nevertheless, it'll be two great games today. Trevor, anything else you want to discuss quickly before we wrap it up? Uh, nope. I think uh, we're all good. I'm excited for today's games uh, and then the final four next weekend. You know, I college yes, basketball sir. was awesome. This tournament has been great. It's been a wild one, obviously. No number one seeds in the final four, not in the lead eight, not in the final four. Yeah. It's been a crazy one, and I'm just looking forward to more basketball. 100%. Well, we'll wrap up the pod there for today. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. Of course, subscribe to the podcast. Leave five-star review if you enjoyed it. Go check out our website, thesmallballers.com. You can check out all of our podcasts. Everything is there. Of course, follow us on Twitter, at the Baller. Keep updated as well. Um, but with that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons!